Pod save the Queen! Hello and welcome to this week's Pod Save the Queen. Thank you very much for joining us. Obviously it's been a very, very newsy week this week for the Royal Family, but as promised, we are bringing you a special episode for the Netflix show, The Crown. Um, So I'm joined today by a slightly different team. Um, We have Lewis Knight, who is uh, our SEO writer for The Mirror Online. Hello there. Uh, We have Helen Kelly, who is the TV editor with The Express. Hello. And we have Lauren O'Callaghan, who is uh, head of lifestyle for The Express as well. Hi. So this is your first time on Pod Save the Queen. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. It's lovely to have you here. Um, So we're going to start off talking about the crown generally. So most people... Talk, you know, most people who've listened to this um, will have watched it, hopefully. But for anyone who hasn't, it is a, an award-winning Netflix show which focuses on the royal family. Um, so seasons one and two were a huge hit. Um, Claire Foy played the Queen. Um, it started in the 1940s, and the idea is it's coming more and more up to date. So season three dropped last weekend now, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Yes. 17th. And has been a huge hit with lots and lots of people... Um, binge watching it over the weekend I know I did mm. I'm, I haven't finished it yet I'm halfway through but I spent all of Sunday in my pajamas with a cup of tea <laughs> watching it um so are you guys all up to date uh yes yeah binge watched it I think I watched it in the space of like two days yeah <laughs> I'm a big fan yeah. yeah do you like it I love the series I really enjoyed season one but got through it a bit late and then two I think I watched in about two days as well so yeah, I did exactly the same. I wasn't quite on it when it started, but as soon as I got into it, yeah. I like went straight through it in one go. Um, what about you, you Lewis? Um, yeah, I remember, I think, because I'd heard quite a bit about it when the first series came out, because they kept going on about how expensive it was and how they'd spent like hundreds of millions on mm. on um, like everything to do with it. So I was kind of like really intrigued to see the finished product and really liked how polished it was and actually kind of how balanced it was for the, for something about the royal family. It's not really something that's super kind of like in love with them but it's then it's not just like criticizing them every episode it's quite a nice um fair take i think yeah so i'm just we're going to start off very quickly um netflix today have dropped a really nice video um which shows uh livia coleman who is playing the queen in the next two series um so this one and the one that's coming up next um kind of showing her getting into character so uh, if we have have a quick listen to that The first time I saw Olivia in her wig, it was magical. It was like, oh my God, the Queen is in the room. The Queen has a different outfit almost for every scene and they're all handmade and they're all beautiful. For Olivia, it feels like the most valuable thing is to have a lovely time in hair and makeup and then inhabit the Queen once the process is over. We had a couple of days of camera tests, but they were doing their thing and trying to what colors look right under the lights and things. You just realise that you're in very good hands. These people really know what they're doing. There's a relatability and a humility. And a bit like the Queen, she doesn't overthink it. She just turns up and does it. I am protecting the Prime Minister. I am protecting the Constitution. I am protecting democracy. Fantastic. So that was a really nice little insight there. I really like that. Um, I think one of the things it really shows is because um, you can really hear um, Olivia Coleman's voice as the Queen, which is obviously a huge thing as everyone got used to. The, you know, Claire did such a fantastic job, say Claire, as if we're like first name terms, <laughs> as if we're pals. <laughs> <Best buzz>. um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, she obviously did such a brilliant 
job and she really got the tone right so I think people were really excited to hear um the new take on it so what did you guys think on of her of her voice her queen voice I was it it took me a little while to get used to it I wasn't keen the first episode but I think they transitioned very nicely with that kind of um the postage stamp scene so the queen comes in and she's going to see what her face is going to look like the update on the stamps and the coins that kind of thing um so I thought it was really nice how she kind of came in and acknowledged that she was moving from Claire Foy to Olivia Coleman and she was getting older yeah and they did it in a really nice kind of they didn't do it in a subtle way they did it very much like yeah I'm Olivia Coleman I'm here I'm yeah. the queen. and then you just had to accept yeah. it so but I think by episode two three I forgot it was Olivia Coleman and Claire Foy had done it before it I kind of got used to it after episode one but I wasn't sure at first but I do think she did a really good job bringing that kind of like moving from young woman just becoming the queen to kind of getting more settled into family life and dealing with lots of different crises again I do think Olivia Coleman has more gravitas, potentially. Mm. Like, I think Claire Foy does the accent really well, like that very cut glass kind of queen speech. But I I think between the two of them, personally, I, not that I find Olivia Coleman more believable, but she just has something that you really believe. That, yeah, this is, you're really seeing the queen that you recognise now, I suppose. Yeah. I think they're both kind of, because they both quite play it quite differently but I think mm. you can see the experience you know that kind of yeah. experience behind mm. it which I think and I like the fact that because there was a jump between the last time we saw the queen in it and now so they've, they've not done it in like a you know oh well the next day I'm a completely different actress <laughs> and everything's yeah. fine like they do it you know like EastEnders and things are famous yeah. for this aren't they um, <laughs> no one mentioned the fact this is a completely minutes. different person yeah, yeah but because it's a different you know because there's that gap I think it works yeah, no, I, d- I definitely think she really manages to kind of make the role her her own um, after a few episodes. I'm going to be really controversial and say that I prefer, still prefer Claire Foy. <laughs> I, I think mainly mainly because mainly I think mainly because just when especially when the Queen's because she's usually very like giving that sort of like glassy stare, just very mm. like neutral because she doesn't want to show emotion. But I think Claire Foy was so good at just kind of emitting emotion from her eyes um, she's a lot icier i think yeah and it really just like came across whereas i think sometimes when you get kind of olivia Coleman trying to do the same thing sometimes it just looked a bit like oh the queen's having a bit of a fed up day she's she's, <laughs> she's looking a bit downtrodden but um i still really think she's great though but yeah right. just slightly more for queen claire different yeah yeah so one of the main things that lots of people are asking about and i know that we've all written a lot about it is how true is this? Um, yeah, I think it's something that the creators are always trying to defend as well, <laughs> which is quite interesting because um, it is, I mean, it is a drama first and foremost. It's not trying to be um, a documentary and they do need to create um, entertainment and make it quite um, theatrical and give a chance for the actors to really do kind of interesting performances. Um, but I think they've always said that it's more about trying to find, I guess, an emotional truth to the to the royal family, make them kind of understandable, whether it's not always sympathetic necessarily to them, but trying to like portray them in a way that feels real. Um, so that can often lead to some inaccuracies. Yeah, and because there are lots of quite difficult storylines in, I think, more so in series three, and I think series four will be the same, of it's not it's not just everything's nice at the palace. Yeah. They're tackling some really difficult I- issues, um, you know, and some really hard points in the royal family's history, aren't they? Yeah, and I think the, that's only going to get more of a sticking point, I think, as it goes along when you get to 
more recent events like Princess Diana and yeah. where people tend to be more kind of have more passionate feelings around mm, kind yeah. of those events. Charles and Camilla is a good example of that that's in this series, isn't it? Yeah, I think um that'd be interesting. I think actually if we talk about it a bit later, I think the way they handled that is quite Yeah. We'll, we'll come back and and talk to that, but sorry, I very rudely interrupted no, you. No, don't worry. I was just gonna say I think with Diana in particular, everybody thinks they know what was going on behind the scenes and you have mm. so many different opinions on paper um, or truths from experts, you know, from her psychic to her <laughs> butler. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that in particular, I suppose, you know, how much reality they take or, or whether they just take a bit of liberties with it, or the, which version of the truth we're going to get, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And there's been quite a lot of... Um, Royal commentators and people that obviously have spent their whole careers following the royal families have there's been quite some negative feedback about it. Um, but the my favourite story, I'm not sure if you saw this one, uh, was um, when Livia Coleman was on the Graham Norton show and she was asked if she'd met any of the royal family. Um, she chatted with Prince William, at, they were at some fancy party and he kind of politely made small talk I guess of oh so what are you yes. working on at the moment Awkward. and then he went yeah <laughs> and, and she went um oh and he said oh no I, I know what you're doing actually and she <laughs> said she got very excited and asked him if he'd watched it and she said his answer was a firm no yep. so I think we're not <laughs> I think none of the royal family claim to watch it mm. they, it's been said none of them watch it I don't no. believe that well Zara, Zara Tyndall said that she's her and Mike were having a chat about who would play them if it Ooh. ever got to them she's opted for Jessica Biel which you would wouldn't yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> I would be quite happy with that if yeah I'd, I'd, I'd take that if I could be that but um fantastic so they talk about lots of as, as we kind of mentioned briefly there's lots of really difficult subjects that are tackled during the show. So do you guys want to maybe, should we talk through some of them? What have been your, you know, for you the most powerful ones? I think the one that really um, kind of made me more emotional was the Abba Fan um, yes. episode. And I've done a bit of research into it. Like I've read so many stories on Abba Fan and Abba Fan in the crown now. And it's kind of like how... A lot of people aren't happy with how the Queen is portrayed in that episode. She's told emotion is expected in Wales. And so she comes out and she like dabs a fake tear from her eye. And she reveals like, oh, I wasn't really crying. I was just pretending no one noticed. And a lot of royal fans are not happy with that. And I think I was really surprised. I was like, this is really emotional. Um, you've got Lord Snowden saying he was like, he rushed there. He was taking pictures and was like, I just kept walking like I didn't know what to do and um you've got Prince um Prince Philip also saying he was like overcome with emotion um by the disaster and the Queen took a little while to get there and she was kind of criticized by the Prime Minister in the Crown and I just thought are we being fair on the Queen like I just feel like this is coming across quite quite harsh on her and she's we like as the public we see her out and about so much and I think we don't know what else she had going on at home. Um, obviously, I'm not making excuses for her or anything. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I think it's just kind of like the whole fake tear. Like, we don't know if she was crying fake tears. And I think that's kind of like a really, I wouldn't like someone to say it. I was fake yeah. crying at something One of those like things that. that we can never know. We never yeah. will know. And it's a big, it's a big thing to put on someone, isn't it? To accuse them of doing someone something like that. Someone who survived it as well has actually came out and said she was crying at like, cemetery or when, mm. where they were buried um and was like i think it's really callous that they've 
portrayed her like this. Um, but Netflix, I think, have kind of stood by how they've portrayed her. And I think yeah. that really shocked me. Cause, but also the bits without the royal family in it when it was the children going to school... I just kept thinking, I think I'm going to have to turn away. I don't think I can watch this. Yeah, because yeah. there was a there was a lot of it that had no royal... You know, they really set the scene on that one because I did exactly the same as you. And I that was the one that really got me. And I actually stopped. You know, I, I, I watched the first three straight after the other and went, mm. right, I need, you know... Right. You know, and you find yourself thinking about it, like, later yeah. on. Mm. Um, but because the, they had a clip at the end, didn't they? Or not a clip, but they had a thing saying that was the Queen's um, kind of ro- one regret from her reign and the fact yeah. not how she handled well yes how she handled it but how long she waited to go down yeah. um but yeah the whole kind of setting of it was really well done wasn't it absolutely and i kind of think it was that kind of gray rainy day and it just felt like something was going to happen and mm. obviously they went home from school the first day and i was like okay all right everyone's fine and then <laughs> it, happened the next day. It, it took me like so much by surprise even though i knew it was coming and yeah i didn't the whole way that it kind of went everything kind of went through the school i was just like I don't think I was prepared for how mm. kind of visual it was. Yeah. yeah. And it was also done very, I think when it's always very powerful when these shows do this, of like you said, there was a big build up to it and you saw them, it, they were preparing their Christmas, not Christmas, they were preparing their hymn to yeah. sing the next day. And then there was actually the bit where it happened was so quick and so, in, you know, instant that everyone was sitting there a bit like, oh, you know, it wasn't slowed down at all, which I think made it even more powerful. Um. And the, the bit that I found really moving was obviously at the uh, the funerals for, all, you know, a large number of the children was when they sang that hymn. And that was obviously, you know, kind of taken from the history of it. But that was, yeah. I thought, really moving. Do you guys agree? I thought it was like a really beautiful scene. And then also that kind of link to how at the end of the episode when the Queen is sitting listening to the recording of the hymn. Yeah. And she is kind of really emotional. So they do show her emotional at the end. But I just thought, the hymn was just having her sitting listening to it just kind of put a nice little touch to it at the end yeah it was a really powerful ending wasn't it yeah, um, i think she'll uh, if she wins an emmy it will be for that scene with the the tear yeah the tear and <laughs> <laughs> um, so we also see um we it focuses on prince philip's mum um a fair bit as well doesn't it princess alice of greek in denmark um lewis do you want to tell us a little bit more about that please uh, yeah, so I think that that might be my favourite episode because I think it, she's kind of like a lesser known member of the royal family and I think a lot of people, I think yeah, actually with the crown there's been so much more conversation about Prince Philip's kind of background and his childhood because I think he's always he's been portrayed as a bit of a complicated character in the in the series. Um, but his mother's a very interesting, unconventional royal, I mean, because um, she was born congenitally deaf um, and she's kind of she kind of ended up denying the royal life entirely by trying to devote herself to kind of her faith and going back into these kind of like war-torn parts of um, Greece and kind of opening a nunnery. So she kind of did all of these amazing things and had to deal with like so much hardship, especially when she was um, put in a sanitarium by her mother. Um, So she was away from her children. So it's all very kind of harrowing stuff, but she's portrayed as such a kind of like bright, funny, um, deadpan character um, with a lot of personality. And that seems to be kind of reflected in um, what historical stuff we know as well. So... I think they did a really good job with that one. Cool. Fantastic. And I think we need to just, we can't go any further without discussing Princess Margaret. In oh, it. no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so what do you guys think about, you know, how she's portrayed in it? I actually loved Margaret in season one, season two, this one. Yeah. I just, I just feel like she's so fun and we don't, I was like, 
after I think it's episode two, Margaretology, I was waiting for ages, like, when is Margaret going to come back in? She's a little bit in some of the episodes, but I'm just like, I want another yeah. Margaret episode. Yeah. <laughs> I just find them the most fun, like, in season two when she's driving around with, like, um, Lord Snowden and they're, like, just taking pictures of each other and she's just, like, you kind of see a different side to her, but I just thought when she goes and meets the president and they're, like, singing and the queen's like, oh, God, how did it go? Did it go really badly? <laughs> and the prime minister's like, actually... It went really well. She did all of these things that she shouldn't have done and the president really liked it. And I think that was really surprising and nice to see. And I just feel like I wanted to be in the episodes with her. Yeah. But <laughs> even when she's not fun, I think Helena Bonham Carter did an amazing, amazing job. Mm. Yeah. I do think as well, Margaret is kind of the most fun royal or certainly of her time, you yeah. know, the most mm. spunky. She's probably the one that as a young woman you can watch and really resonate with her um so that works really well for the crown actually just to have somebody a bit more of our time yeah a bit more know? fun yeah. doing yeah. the kind of being a bit rebellious yeah you know, a bit cheeky drinking parties yes. singing yeah singing yeah. on the piano i think there's lots of isn't there um because it focuses quite a lot on the queen and princess margaret's relationship mm. and sisters and um in you know the, the character of the queen says lots of you know oh, I wish I could do she does all the fun things mm. that I can't do and I think it's really interesting to kind of see their portrayal of their you know that sister sisterly rivalry yeah that mm. dynamic that kind of sense of duty versus I don't know being second fiddle being yeah. the fact that I think Margaret probably didn't actually like coming second or being in second place to the queen but then also really enjoyed the freedom that that meant that she could enjoy yeah. so mm. but there is that tension between the two of them I think of you know that sense of like Margaret wanting to serve or to kind of have her place but also just wanting to do what she wanted to do and and then knowing as well that rebellion against okay I can never be number one because I'll never be the queen so I'm just going to do what I want to do, you know, that yeah. kind of that, that, that frustration. My own. Exactly, yeah. and then that frustration from the Queen's side of, of just actually, just do your duty, you know, just step step into line <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So, and I don't know, and also that just eldest and second sister, and I, I've got a sister, so I do understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we get to see a bit of, we get to see, not at the start, but in the, the later part of the series, we get to see some Prince Charles as well, don't we? So I haven't got this far yet. Um, well, I've seen the first few, but I haven't seen all of it. So, guys who have seen it all, I'm <laughs> yeah. trying not to. I'm trying to like save it a bit because I don't. I want to enjoy yeah. it rather than watching it all. So I'm doing doing like one and one an evening at the moment. But yeah. So what do we think of Prince Charles and the? I, at first, I wasn't sold on the episode, but I think Josh O'Connor um, again did a really good job with his portrayal of Prince Charles, and I kind of. He kind of grew on me a little bit. And I don't know if that's just the way they did the episode. Like he's shipped off to Wales to learn Welsh so he can do his, um, I think it's his investiture yeah, speech investiture. Um, in Welsh. And eventually he kind of seems to fall in love with Wales. And you kind of see him being like, okay, this isn't just my duty. I'm actually going to take it seriously. And kind of, I didn't know anything about how he acted in university. I don't know if, if yeah. that is like, is that true? It is, yes. I've seen some photos of that. I remember oh, coming, you know, like I went down a rabbit hole once, yeah. I think, in our kind of, you know, um, in our picture system. And <laughs> that was a great afternoon. <laughs> Didn't do any work for a good hour, I think, because I was just going through all these. But um, yeah, no, things like that, I think, are the nice, the nice little details that anyone that maybe isn't, a you know, doesn't particularly like the crown as such. There's also so, so still these nice little details. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a nice little surprise. And I think it kind of like helped me 
not not relate because I mean I can't really relate to the royals but you know you kind of <laughs> think like okay he he wants to act he doesn't really want to be like a prince and do all of these things he, d- he doesn't want to go to Wales and spend like three months learning Welsh and he does like have a bit of a moan to like Princess Anne on the phone but at the end of it he kind of like you see him go on a bit of a journey I think and then you see him stand up to the queen again we don't know if this happened because on the crown it happens behind closed doors and it's just the queen and prince charles um but they kind of have a bit of a disagreement about how she's restricting what he does he can't really live his life how he wants Mm. um and he's stuck in the royal family and he has to kind of put duty first because he's the future king okay and we also see his kind of the, the start of his relationship with camilla um how she also does a fantastic job in it so what, what do we think of her um i, I was quite surprised i think she, well i think some people obviously she's a very divisive character i think mm-hmm. in, in real life but i think actually she comes across as very kind of like sweet and a bit, a bit emotionally complicated and you can see why charles would be interested in her but i thought it was in most interesting that i think a lot of the stuff to do with their relationship isn't really from their point of view we're kind of seeing it from other members of the royal family from the outside oh okay so they still kind of keep it at arm's length a bit, I think. We have a couple of scenes with them like going on a date and having a dinner together. Um, but otherwise it is very much kind of like Lord Mountbatten reacting, uh, the Queen Mother reacting, kind of everyone else getting their opinion. Um, yeah, and this is one of the storylines that's been really hit out at actually by raw commentators, isn't it? Because it's portrayed very negatively in terms of how the Queen Mother and that see Camilla. Yeah. Is that is that true? Yeah, it's kind of almost like they are completely interfering um, and trying to like tear them apart when actually there's probably so many other variables involved in terms of kind of like Charles himself not really kind of being as vocal with his feelings and Camilla and her eventual husband, Andrew Parker Bowles, kind of already being very on off um, in the yeah, run up to their relationship. Yeah, I think what lots of people maybe don't realise, I think it was seven years that they were on, you know, on off, on off mm. for um, and Charles was just kind of not in the middle of that but was in the middle of that process in the background um, yeah, yeah yeah you know was that just just in an off part of it um but yeah so that's one of the things that lots of royal experts have kind of hit out and said one i can't remember exactly who it was but one of them actually said it's an in, they didn't understand why the you know the writers added this in because they said it's an interesting enough story anyway mm. why do you need to add that intrigue? you don't need to make this yeah. thing but um yes yeah, so i think that's one of the ones that's Maybe going to cause a few mm. awkward moments. I suppose they they're setting the scene for the the reason why he ended up with Diana. Yes, and mm. to give the Queen Mother that's that kind of role of like you know stirring the pot slightly and pushing forward the bride that she wanted, mm. um, and that's obviously the direction they're cho- going to choose to go. I think that's kind of laying that foundation. Yeah, and it's kind of the only thing that the Queen Mother gets to do in this series. <laughs> 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 Otherwise, she's just sort of off at the side. Okay, so another um, really amazing part that I love of the crown is the the setting and the sets are all beautiful, but also the costumes. Yes. So you know a lot about I do. these, don't you? <laughs> yes. So, um, so you know, th- as you mentioned earlier, like the budget on this series is very high, and you can definitely see that with the costumes. Um, over the course of three seasons, there have been more than six hundred original costumes made. Wow. Um, yeah. So they've really gone to town. Um, you know, they don't just kind of have like pastiches we've got exact replicas Mm. um particularly for like the bigger moments of the show so like the investiture of prince charles you see the queen in like a very unusual hat 
thing. Um, it's like a helmet. <laughs> yeah, it, yes, it is. It's like a, it looks like a helmet. So, in fact, having done my research, um, it's a Tudor era French hood, um, and it's made from like gold, yellow silk, and embroidered pearls. So very detailed, and you know they've. It's an exact replica of what she wore at the time, um, and I guess it's because the imagery of the royal family is so iconic, and we all know these moments we've seen the pictures and I suppose they can't they couldn't just veer left without you know they had to kind of have exact yep. copies that like it's not there aren't many moments when they don't I think that's the difference slightly with Margaret and the Queen because with Margaret it is more the hemlines or the necklines and more of an inspiration of her look generally but with mm. the Queen you'll get the exact and the same with the tiaras and the jewellery and that kind of thing um so other kind of interesting outfits are uh, the silver jubilee which i don't know that you'll have got to yet because it's slightly later on in the series Last episode, episode, i think right okay yeah, no i'm not oh, on that the, one the yet big finale. Oh, thanks, look forward oh, to um, 1977 so she uh, is wearing like an all pink outfit with a matching hat and the hat was considered very controversial at the time because it was quite whimsical it was like a pink kind of slightly modish 60s style um, and then it had these like flowers hanging off the back that moved when she moved her head um and inside each of the like it's like green silk stem and then the flower and inside a yellow stamen like really detailed but as I say quite whimsical and I think she was criticized at the time because people felt that it wasn't serious enough for the occasion um but in fact it's kind of gone on to be one of her most kind of well-liked outfits I suppose yeah I was gonna say having not seen the episode it's such a famous yes image of her um I'll dig out a picture of that actually and put it on our Instagram page if anyone wants to have a little look at it later um but yeah it's such a it was such a statement outfit, Very. I mean, especially for the Queen at that mm. time, to mm. kind of go so... I don't want to say trendy, because that's the wrong word, but no, it was but it, that it, kind it of like... it is different. It is, because she... The, what's quite interesting, I think, with Series 3 is, if you look at se- Season 1 and 2, you see the young Queen, you know, you've got the debutante, those kind of beautiful gowns and her youth and all of that, and now, Season 3, you're starting to see the Queen as we know her now, so... The matching accessories, the block colours, um, you know, the hats, the quite formal, Not, I'm not going to say dull, but it's certainly perhaps dressing slightly more, slightly older than she actually was, but it's mm. timeless, I suppose is the word I'm searching for. Um, and, you know, you start to see that, but this feels like a slight departure from that. It's her kind of grabbing that bit of youth again, that hot pink colour and yeah. the fun kind of side, um, which is why I think I liked it so much. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's, you mentioned obviously about Margaret before, but I think mm. that's something, because there's not a huge age gap between them, no. but I think in terms of their their clothing, you can really see, because, yes. um, you know, Margaret is so on trend, like you said, yeah. the shorter hemlines, yeah. the kind of really bold patterns. Mm. Um, and the really kind of strong 60, yes, very 60s much so. look. Whereas, um, you know, the Queen has the kind of, you know, head of state, yes, formal yeah. blazers, things like that. Exactly. And even the hair. So you'll have, Margaret has, she, you know, she plays with that slightly like Audrey Hepburn or like Bardo updos. Um, dare I say a little bit sexy. Uh, whereas the Queen, in this series, you're starting to see the Queen's hair, which obviously is iconic. Um, it's taking shape now. So that kind of helmet, shape that we're yep. used to seeing <laughs> yeah we're starting to that's coming to its own in season three this is the moment we really see that form I yeah. think um and th- I don't they haven't made a big deal out of it but I've just noticed that through you know with the images that seasons one and two yes it's short but it's youthful whereas now it's getting that like yeah that stiff she's in full-on queen mode yeah, now she's, yeah she's <laughs> picked a haircut. she'll stick to it for 60 years so um and then another person I think is worth noting is Anne um she's young she's 19 kind of around like late 
1920s in this series and so you see her in mini dresses I mean when I say mini dresses I mean you know two inches above the knee yeah (laughs) exactly oh goodness gracious but so she's kind of representing like the youth quake as it were at the time so she's in denim in some series it's like oh god the royal family (laughs) so you know Anne's one to look out for as well actually because she's we're used to seeing Anne now like you know duty out every week you know cutting a ribbon or whatever but back then she was like a young kind of eligible debutante on the scene in vogue like quite cool yeah Um, and I like that they're running with that for her she's great in it as well the actress Mm. yeah it's one of the things I've done quite recently as well going through lots of the old pictures of her and you forget how as in yeah you know, the real life pictures yes you forget how you know such amazing look she had yeah. in the old vogue covers and stuff yeah. like that she was beautiful very beautiful mm. um in fact i think i don't know maybe it's you have access to all the best of the best so you're, you're gonna you know look the best you can but she definitely she was you could see how attractive she was then and why she was such hot property <laughs> <laughs> and so do you have a favorite outfit from the series do you think um actually going back to Aberfan, i really mm liked I know it's terrible for me to be talking about the fashion for like a tragic tragic episode but I loved that outfit because it's a slight indulgence to me I don't wear fur you know I don't agree with fur but equally that that very kind of 60s uh, the fur hat and the matching like fur trim coat in the maroon like I just thought it was really chic um I'd say of everything she wore throughout all of it that's probably the one thing I would have wished I could have worn yeah um and then obviously goes without saying the jewellery. I mean, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's a slight aside if we're talking about just the outfits. That one I think I like best. Um, there's also another one where she's, she's, there's an image that they've released of her reclining on a sofa with the corgis and she's wearing a pink um, skirt suit that has like a slight Jackie Kennedy feel. Okay. That I really like as well. Mm. Um, partly and maybe because again, it's a, quite a modern look for her. So that last little hint of like youth looks that she's going for in that time um, I like that as well and one of the one of my kind of favorite costume things that they recreated was at Charles investiture again because mm. you had the queen mother yep. princess Anne and princess Margaret yes. in there it's kind of it's blue yes yeah, so you had the uh, lime green queen mother in lime green with the ostrich feather hat yes wow <laughs> yeah and then Margaret in pink and Anne in the blue with the, the blue mini dress yes because yes. <laughs> it's that famous photo isn't it of yes. the three of them all lined up kind of waiting to come past and it's just such a so much color yeah, yeah which I think I really like that they kind of recreated that I thought yeah. it was great and you do start to see, in, or you start to understand, uh, you know, the royal family and how they organise themselves in that sense, in that they were all in a different colour, but quite vibrant. But then the Queen was in that yellow gold. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't just another bright colour, another yeah. bright dot. Like, she was a statement she's in got herself. her yeah she she's understands <laughs> you know I often say like no one knows how to sell themselves like the royal family no one understands the power of an image like they do and like the fashion is a really big part of that and the, mm. the you know the choices that they make the shapes the silhouettes the colors understanding that you know they each have their own look as it were so you know who you're kind of looking at and whatever so nothing's everything's by design nothing's by mistake Fantastic. So looking ahead to series four then, which they're filming at the moment, I believe. Is that right, Lewis? Uh, yeah, we've seen loads of paparazzi pics of them out and about, especially obviously there's been loads of attention on um, Emma Corrin, who's playing Diana. Mm. Yes. So have they kind of, they've set it up. She, We don't see her in season three, but they start setting it up, don't they? How do they How do they do that? Um, I think because we, we chatted a bit earlier about um, how it kind of gets left with him and Camilla and kind of like how it's kind of, looking at why she would be the ideal consort that he'd be looking for because the family approves and there's a lot of talk with queen the queen mother and lord mountbatten about kind of the type of woman that he should end up with 
um, which is completely at odds with obviously his feelings for Camilla. So that's kind of all set up for that um, love triangle, love square with yeah. Andrew Parker Bowles, I think, going into the next one. Okay, and what other things can we look forward to in series four, do you think? Um, I'd definitely say Gillian Anderson as the very divisive Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) (laughs) She'll prove uh, very interesting. I think the um, creator Peter Morgan's commented about how there'll be some kind of like frosty scenes between her and the Queen. And I mean, she was prime minister for like over a decade. So I think Mm. that'll be um, an interesting relationship over like the span of the whole season. We kind of seen the, saw the Queen's um, relationship with Harold Wilson. At first, she wasn't so keen on him, and then eventually, she kind of warms up to him. So, I think it'll be quite interesting to see the Queen meet Margaret Thatcher because I think that will remain probably quite icy. I don't know if they'll see eye to yeah. eye, but also the Queen will have so much to deal with with Charles and Diana and that whole kind of what's going to happen. Like, I don't know how they're going to. I don't know if they'll wait a while to put Diana in. I think they might wait until the end of the series or maybe perhaps they'll get her in early, do the wedding, which I think the wedding wedding. will be an amazing episode. But then maybe the, like we had with, I think it was season two when the Queen welcomes, is it Edward? Yeah, right at the end. Yes. Yeah, so maybe it'll kind of end with like a birth with like Diana having William. So we could see William. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, maybe, baby William. Yeah. I'm most interested, obviously, to see the wedding dress, though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Perfect crumples. (laughs) That will be really interesting to see how they do that as well. Mm. And like I said, that's the kind of, I think, so much, especially in season one and two, um, and a lot of this series, but still still things that people don't quite remember. But I think Mm. as soon as you get to that and as soon as you get to the wedding, that's going to be really interesting. It'll be a whole different way of viewing it because... So many people remember actually watching it on TV and to yeah. watch a recreation of it will be will be great fun. So that sounds very interesting, very exciting. Um, so if you haven't watched it yet, get watching The Crown. It's on Netflix. It's all on there. They did in true Netflix style, dropped it all in one day, um, which is lovely. Um, and let us know what you think about it. Uh, you can comment on our Instagram page. Um, we'll be back next week when we will return to the normal kind of coverage and we will be looking at the very busy few weeks we've had in terms of royal stuff. But until then... Pod save the queen!